Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church, and I want to thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. I also wanted to let you know there are some free podcast downloads. If you'd like to listen to these messages through another format, we have it through buzzsprout.com and then backslash 189 0557 buzzsprout.com that's our free download or you can also listen to the podcast on Spotify Google Podcast Apple Podcast and all these are free downloads so go ahead and take advantage of that and just look for Hope for Your Heart look for Pastor Corbett or look for Hickory Ridge Community Church and those should come up And uh, by the way, I do want to invite you to come and worship with us. We have had a wonderful time going through the Word of God as we have been studying the theme of believing. And, uh, you know, the Bible is very clear. Whatever a person believes, whatever a person thinks in his heart, so will he be. And so today I want to encourage you. And today I want to give you a very special message coming out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 8. And I'm going to share with you four ways that you can spread joy. Now, a lot of times we're very concerned about receiving joy, but have you ever thought about how you can spread joy? You spread joy by living out your faith. You know, the greater our investment, the greater our potential for joy. In other words, the more I live out my faith, the more opportunities I have to spread joy. Wherever we go, there should be joy in our presence because joy resides within us. A little girl was attending a wedding for the very first time, and the girl whispered to her mom, Why is the bride dressed in white? The mother replied, Because white is the color of happiness, and today is the happiest day of her life. The child thought about that for just a moment. Then she said, So why is the groom wearing black? Uh, This is one of the strange things when we think about life, right? Uh, As you think about joy, life is filled with ups and downs, but we have the joy of the Lord in our lives. Victor Hugo said, there is one thing stronger than all the armies of the world. And that is an idea whose time has come. Listen, God has a new plan for our lives. And that plan was incorporated with the redemption of humanity 2,000 years ago on the cross. God has provided hope for us and healing for us. And I want you to know there's four ways that we can spread joy wherever we go. Number one is by understanding that when we are pressured, we should expect it. Strange but true, the more we are persecuted for righteousness' sake, the more we grow as people and as a church. So remove from your thinking this desire to live a life of ease. You know, our duty is to glorify God and not to gratify our flesh. Now, one would think after seeing the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 8, that persecution would maybe stop, but it didn't. It actually increased. The bloody uh, massacre of the Christians, uh, it created this this bloodthirst within uh, the culture, and they were tasting blood, and the church very early in its history, is experiencing extreme persecution. Do you know in the first 100 years of Christianity, there were 10 major waves of persecution? It was Saul who approved the killing of Stephen. So Stephen's death really was the start of persecution for the church. Not the end, it was the start. Uh, Look at Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It says, On that day... A great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea 
and Samaria. Godly men came along and buried Stephen and and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women, and he put them in prison. Well, you know, Jesus had a little to say about this. Uh, Jesus said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, we don't know how that persecution will take place, but if you're godly, you will suffer in some shape, form, or fashion. So discipline yourselves during the good times so that you will be prepared for the bad times. Paul talks about athletes and and says they're disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize, a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I want you to understand today that when you look at the names that are referred to as Christians, right, throughout the Bible, here's a sample of biblical names for Christians. We're called soldiers. We're called servants. Sometimes we're called slaves. We're called saints. We're called salt. We're called sisters, brothers. Paul says, we're the scum of the earth. We're called friends of God. We're called disciples. We're called priests. We're called ambassadors. We're called people of the way. We're called the light of the world. Now, understanding all these words that describe Christians, in 1 Corinthians 4, it reminds us that we work hard with our hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. Why? Because we're soldiers. When we are slandered, we answered kindly. Paul says, we have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this very moment. Paul was acting like Christ, living out like Christ, surrendering himself. You know, when I think about all the pressure that our world is facing today, there is persecution that is running rampant across the globe. You know, Paul was considered a scholar. He was considered a a religious leader, but it was not below him to be employed in the vilest of behavior of all before he came to Christ, destroying Christians in an attempt to snuff out the message of Christ. Oh, I want you to know, as followers of Christ, we must expect to be pressured. We must expect pressure to come our way. We're not exempt from pressure, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Here's the second thing. If you want to pass around joy, expect to be persecuted. Expect your motives to be questioned. Uh, Expect people to wonder if you are the real McCoy. Expect them to put pressure on you. Number two, when we are scattered, share it. Uh, Jesus put it this way. You are the salt of the earth, but if that salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. The city that is on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, when you think about salt losing its saltiness, how does that happen? Sodium chloride is is one of the three or four most stable components in the world. Virtually no natural reaction to it can cause salt to turn into any other compound. So it takes a lot for salt to lose its saltiness. So wherever I go, I should glow. Because it's going to take a lot for me to lose my glow because it's not based upon my power, but it's a power that is placed within me. So when we are scattered, wherever we go, 
we share. You know, you know, salt, when it's in a salt shaker, it does no good. You got to sprinkle it on top of your food, scatter it on top of your food, share it on top of your food. Then you have that taste of that salt. In Acts chapter 4, we're going down to verses 4 and 5. We discover that those who were scattered, they went about and they shared the gospel wherever they went. It says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. Verse number eight says there was great joy in that city. So as they're being persecuted, as they're being scattered, they didn't have the woe is me spirit. One of the things that always amazes me as I talk with people in other parts of the world that are being persecuted. I have a couple of personal friends that are ministering in very difficult areas. I have a personal friend in Nigeria, and he is an amazing man of God. But you know, every time I talk to him, he never says, well, would you pray that the persecution will stop? He never never asks us to pray that it stops. He always asks us to pray that the church will remain pure and strong, that God will use that persecution for the gospel to be shared wherever they went. Now, I, I want you to know, persecution, nobody wants to go through persecution. Nobody enjoys being persecuted for their faith. But God often uses persecution, pressure, for us to give an opportunity to share the good hope of Jesus Christ. Now, I want us to look at John chapter 20, and I want us to look at verses 19 to 23. Let me go ahead and read this text, and then I'll make a few comments, okay? Verse 19, John 20. On the evening of that day, that's the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were hanging out for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. So Jesus had just risen from the dead and he goes and he meets the disciples where they are hunkered down in fear. And the first thing he says to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus and said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So when you think about being scattered, okay, we are never designed to be scattered for our own purposes. We are being scattered so that we can share the good news of the gospel. We go with peace. Jesus says, peace be with you. Wherever you go, that peace is going to be with you. And these early disciples got the Holy Spirit even before the church began. In Acts chapter 2, the church actually began on the day of Pentecost. But here, these disciples had an encounter with Christ, and Jesus breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, they had a tremendous advantage from the rest of the disciples at that time. Uh, The rest of the followers of Christ didn't receive uh, the Holy Spirit until several days later when the church started in Acts chapter 2. Now, I think about scattering, okay? Wherever we go, we're either bringing joy or we're bringing a bad spirit, right? Think about gossip, gossip scattering, That is the sharing of bad news that may or may not be true. Gossip is always designed 
to hurt the one that we're talking about. Gospel scattering is the sharing of the good news. It is true, and it is designed to help and never hurt. The gospel, once received, causes us to think of our enemies in a different light. When you think about the gospel being spread, once we receive the gospel, it causes us to think worse of ourselves and better of our enemies. When you scatter gossip, on the other hand, the person who is sharing that gospel, they think better of themselves. But the person they're talking about, it causes us to think worse of them. Gossip scattering feeds our own sinful, selfish desire by tearing down one of God's people. That's why it's so dangerous, especially within the church. Gossip scattering causes joy to be lost. However, if we scatter the gospel, that is for the building up of God's kingdom, the building up of God's people, the church. Gospel scattering causes joy to be overflowing in the ways as you are scattering this gospel. And it's causing joy to send people in the right direction. Gossip scattering, however, causes people to be filled with resentment, to be filled with suspicion, and they go in the wrong direction. You see, we have a choice. Are we going to scatter the gospel or are we going to scatter gossip? Oh, I want you to know God has given us this tremendous opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, if you went for a walk in the woods, but then you decided to wander off the path and you found yourself surrounded by a thicket full of thorns and poison ivy, who would you blame? Would you blame the person who built the path? Well, no, of course not. Instead, you would blame yourself if you were honest. Because you alone were responsible for wandering from the path. In a far deeper way, this is what happens when we decide to leave God out of our lives. For a time, it may seem like we're just wandering away from Him, and it really doesn't make any difference. It may even seem easier and freer, but eventually, it catches up with us. We're just wandering off the path into a thicket. And maybe that's where you are today. You have wandered off the path and you find yourself in this thicket and you're saying, how in the world did I get in this mess? Oh, I want you to know God can get you out of that mess. He can allow you to be set free from that whole ordeal. And I want you to know that when you are set free by the power of the gospel, you are set free at last. Billy Graham talked about last and putting ourselves last in order that we may be first. Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you got to be servant of all. When you think about being set free, so many times we lose the opportunity to be set free because we're demanding our rights. When the pressure comes on our lives, we demand our rights. And when we get scattered, we say, man, this is terrible what has happened to me. I also want you to know that you can spread the joy wherever you go. When you keep in the back of your mind, that there's pressure in my life, I should expect it. I'm going to be scattered. I should be sharing the gospel, not gossip. I must understand that when we are being scattered, the enemy is going to bring about deception into our lives. But we must denounce it. Deception must be denounced. You know, no matter how hard the church may try to stay pure, imposters 
are always trying to attempt to destroy what Jesus is doing. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 8, we discover that such a man came into the church. His name was Simon. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying of the hands of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, and he says, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, a big caution light ought to be going off in our minds as we think about a Simon coming into our midst, and he's wanting the benefits of the power of the Holy Spirit, but he's not willing to be a follower of Christ. Look at how Peter responded to him. Acts chapter 8, verse number 20, Peter answered, May your money perish with you. You thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. So Peter doesn't whitewash this. He addresses it. And he addresses it and he's very forthright in his address of this man, Simon. He talks directly to Simon. He says, listen, your money perish with you. You know, you think you can buy this gift. You can't buy a gift from God. Money can't purchase it. You don't have any part of this ministry. Your heart is not right before God. He didn't pull any punches. Verse 22, he says, Now repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your hearts. He gives him this challenge. He says, listen, it's not too late. Go ahead and repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you for having such a thought. Verse 23. I don't think that Simon ever repented, but verse number 23, Peter says, I see something about you. You're full of bitterness and you're captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. But we never find out what happened to Simon. Did he ever get this thing right? Uh, We're kind of left hanging there because we're not sure. You know, when you believe a lie, you are confronted about that lie. You may be sorry that you lied, but if you don't repent, you run on with that lie. You see, this matter couldn't be ignored. It had to be confronted. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit had not yet come in Acts chapter 8, had not yet come upon the Samaritans. Later, the apostle Peter and John arrived, at at which time the Spirit came upon the other believers, and Simon, he witnesses this event, and he offers them money. You know, at this point, Peter strongly reprimands Simon for the greed, and he states that he needs to repent. Fearful of the apostles' words, Simon pleads with Peter to pray to the Lord on his behalf. You know, after this event, the Bible never again refers to Simon the sorcerer. However, Justin Martyr and other Christian apologists like Irenaeus insist that he was an antichrist and he continued on with his sorcery, even founding, uh, it was one of the founders of Gnosticism itself. You see, the greed of Simon is recalled in the modern world, simony, using religion as a means of profit. You know, throughout the world, there are, there are many antichrists, small letter A, antichrist. When I was in the prison the other day, I was passing out daily breads. And there was a man in that uh, particular housing unit and uh, never met this man. He never met me. But he said to me, you're the antichrist. 
And I says, I'm the Antichrist. How'd he come up with that one? And Because uh, I was passing out the daily breads. He thought I was an Antichrist. Now, obviously, uh, this particular man uh, has um, uh, maybe some, some mental health issues, uh, but that was really kind of a strange encounter that I had with this particular person. And, uh, and so I says, well, I'm going to pray for you, my brother, uh, that you will understand what true salvation in Jesus Christ is all about. You see, an Antichrist is one who can never give God all the glory, can never give glory to Christ because he's so enamored with himself. He's driven by that money. He's driven by that, that desire for greed and that he used religion as a means of profit. You see, Simon the sorcerer had bewitched many. That's the word that is used in the, in the King James Version of Acts chapter uh, 8, verses 9 and 11. And the people of Samaria there, uh, they were heavily involved in sorcery for a long time. And the people of that city mistakenly assumed that the great power that was exhibited through the apostles, through Peter, uh, this was a power uh, that they could buy. Uh, this is a power uh, that was given to them so that they could actually, or rather, purchase it. Uh, they had this cleverly disguised way of wanting to gain this power. Now, I say all this to remind you that we are in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. There's going to be many imitators that try to come along, but I always say follow the money. A person that is wanting to have money, desires to have power, will do anything they can to propagate and spread false lies and, and, and in order to become rich. Well, we've learned so far today in the broadcast that we can spread joy wherever we go. And when we are pressured, we should expect it. When we are scattered, we should be sharing it like salt coming out of the salt shaker. When we are deceived or attempts to be cleverly deceived, we should denounce it. Call an ace an ace, a call a spade a spade. And then number four, last but not least, when we are confused, we should clarify things. You know, God uses confusion. He's not the author of confusion. Don't misunderstand what I just said. God uses confusion so that we will search for the truth. The enemy uses confusion in order to attempt to conceal the truth. Now look at Acts chapter 8, verses 29 to 31. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip, he ran up to that chariot and he heard the man reading out of the book of Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked the man. And, and, and the man responds, well, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up onto the chariot to sit with him. So here we see a man who's confused. He's called the Ethiopian eunuch. He's confused about what he's reading out of the book of Isaiah. Philip says, are you confused? Do you understand what you're reading? I don't understand what I'm reading, he says. I need some help. So Philip begins by sharing the scripture with him. He begins to take this confusion and share with him the truth of God's word. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the church of the saints. So the word is explained. The confusion is driven out of this man and he's born again, and he wants to be baptized. He sees water right there on the side of the shirt. He says, what hinders me from being baptized? He stops that chariot, and he's baptized. You see, one cannot see through a lie when they're living a lie. God has sent someone to explain it to you. How will you 
respond. Now I want to close quickly with uh, an excerpt from Experiencing God Workbook, okay? Seven ways to experience God. Number one, settle in your mind that God has forever demonstrated his unfailing love for you on the cross. That love will never change. God loves you unconditionally. Have that settled in your mind. Number two, do not try to understand what God is like from the middle of your circumstances. The test comes first and then the answers. Number three, go to God and ask him to help you see his perspective on your situation. Number four, wait on the Holy Spirit. He may take some time to give you the answers to the questions that you're asking, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Number five, adjust your life to God to allow yourself to see what he is doing in your circumstances. Number six, do all that he tells you to do. Number seven, experience God working in you through you to accomplish his purposes. Oh, my friends, we can spread joy wherever we go. If I can help you, feel free to shoot me an email at onehopeforyourheart at gmail.com. We have one hope, onehopeforyourheart at gmail.com. Spell out the word one, O-N-E, hopeforyourheart at gmail.com. No spaces, no capitals necessary. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. I hope that you'll join us tomorrow. I thank the Lord for you. I'm praying for you right now and look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.